0: Uh, He uses you guys. Uh, I'm fond of female drummers because I married one. You didn't know Sarita was a drummer, did you? Yeah, baby! She is a drumming maniac. Weren't you? Well, you weren't too maniac about it. Was she a drummer or a maniac? She was a maniac after she met me. Yeah, she's a percussionist. Well, good morning. Um, one thing I failed to mention, it was failed to be mentioned, on Facebook, everybody pay attention, on Facebook, go to the Fallapalooza page, then the Shawnee Heights, Shawnee Heights page, right? Yeah. Then hit, uh, then you want to go to the fall, Super Sunday, Saturday Fallapalooza you want to hit like, and after you like it, share it. Okay? Like and share on our shiny, on the Shawnee Heights page. Oh, thank you. Matt, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm going to trip and fall and kill myself here, but that's okay. I'll just... Walk that way. I want to talk today. I'm starting a new series, and it and it goes it 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 is in conjunction sort of with uh, what we're doing with respect to the the palooza, with the kingdom building program that God has called us to do. And the series is called "I Am." And that's what you need to think about for a moment, well, for the next four or five weeks. Moses said, who shall I I tell Pharaoh that sends me? And God said, I am. Tell him, I am who has sent you. Exodus 3, 1 through 15. I was going to ask my bride to come up and share with this, but I didn't tell her, so she'd get cranky. Exodus 3, 1-15. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord... That's important to understand that. The angel of the Lord. That is a, was a pre-incarnate. That means before he was born... A pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Jesus Christ. You want to know what that's called? I learned this in Bible school. It's called a theophany. Theophany. Uh, 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 appear, an appearance of Christ before He was born. And it's always... And the, there, there's, the, there's called a, an angel of the Lord. But the angel of the Lord was Je- is Jesus. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Here's the bush blazing. I mean, this is, this is a, an inferno and the voice is saying Moses Moses I think that's maybe how he said it Moses said here I am Do not come any closer the Lord's warned take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground That is a great song somebody ought to write a hymn We're standing on holy ground You know that wouldn't that work on that one Matt It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, my people Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. (laughs) Moses kind of was trying to weasel here. Who am, I to appear before, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask, What's his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. And we ask God to add his blessing on the reading of his word this morning. You know, as business as usual all over the world when Moses was out there in the wilderness, or in the pasture. And the world was entirely ignorant of an event that was about to take place in a remote desert. Yet, it's what happened here that has changed the world and not whatever decrees might have come that day. It's changed the world. It's changed you. It's changed me. From the throne of Pharaoh or the talk in the street about politics, the economy, or some other subject, this is often the way that God works. Change. Moses was a miracle child. The decree had gone forth from Pharaoh that all the Israelite male children would be cast into the river. Exodus one twenty two says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, not throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. And he says, well, you know, that's not right. That's not fair. Well, you know, it's, it's not about fairness. They didn't want the line of the Hebrews to propagate. The women would die off if there was no Hebrew men. They wouldn't be able to propagate continue the Hebrew line. So his mother hit him for three months but uh, eventually complied to the order. But instead of being thrown into the river and drowned, he was placed in this little boat. It was kind of uh, covered up with, it was called pitch, and it's like, it's, it's like uh, undercoating on the car today and play and left to the mercy of God, and we read that the child was floating in a boat and was caused to be found by Pharaoh's daughter. God put pity in this girl's heart, and, and uh, she raised him in her house like he was her own son. And the really cool thing was they needed a midwife to nurse Pharaoh, and his mother was able to come and spend that time with her son, nursing him. And from this, he seems to have learned his true identity as an Israelite. For he was older when he was older. He saw an Egyptian getting killed. And remember that Moses was taught uh, all the things because he's in Pharaoh's house. All the things that that uh, Pharaoh would learn. He had the, the best mathematicians, the best uh, the best academians that were around teaching him. And he he saw an Egyptian taskmaster mistreating a fellow Hebrew and killed the man and then hid his body. But he found he was found out and betrayed by one of his own countrymen, and he had to escape. He hit the bricks and went to see his father-in-law, and this was where God removed him to the backside of the desert, ending his first forty years of life. Then he had to work for his father-in-law, and and some of you may have had a a great. I had a great father-in-law. Some of you may have had it or have a Kind of tough father-in-law. But for 40 years, Moses learned a lot. In, in order to survive, he had to be an expert in the, in the desert in, in understanding how to read the sign. Where's the best feed? Where's the water? And he would probably seen dry bushes erupt into flames. You know, spontaneous combustion, they call it. But they'd burn up. But the one he saw this time didn't disintegrate. There it was. It was like those sunflowers on a blaze. Ablaze. Think about this. These things are just, just, they're just... It's just burning up. Just blazing. I don't know how high it was. And yet, it didn't burn up. If I put a match to this thing, it would go up like a house on fire. But God was in the bush. And it didn't, it didn't combust. It, didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't destroyed. It kept burning. And Moses was curious and so he went and, and we see this encounter between the Lord and Moses and he was, he was in no need of some sort of argument about the existence of God. He didn't chance any kind of argument. Rather, he, was, he had a personal encounter here with God. And what we learn here is that God is self-authenticating self-authentic, who he is. You know, I am. I am. Rather, God, Moses didn't, uh, did not find God through his advanced learning or wisdom or even the truths that his mother had shared with him. Rather, God allowed himself to be found. And that's how he reaches us. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect, but when he, when he reaches, we know it. And we find God on God's terms. God is not bound in any way by human wisdom or expectation. None of that. God is not bound by anything that we may think about Him. He can only be known by His revelation and only to the extent that He wishes to be revealed. We don't. God's eternal. We don't know everything there is to know about God. We're going to be, if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... One day we're going to die, we're going to be ushered into the very presence of God, and for eternity, that means forever and ever and ever and never ending. For eternity, we will never know God, because God is eternal. And, and that's, the, that's kind of the first point that, that I wanted to make, is God has to teach us so we can find our I am. We God has to teach us. And he did that through Moses in that example. And the second thing, the second point is, are you ready in your life? Think about this. Are you ready in your life for a burning bush experience? Nobody around. Nobody is... is conning you into anything, nobody is trying to talk you into anything, but you hear somehow the word of God and you have a burning bush experience. My burning bush experience came about with a taco dinner, the promise of a taco dinner. I'd never had a taco before back in 1973, didn't know what a taco was. I'm sure they were invented. We never had ta- did we? No. And, and, uh, and Sue Bishop, good friend, was a good cook. And Bobby, her husband, said, John, I can't answer all the questions that you have. Come to church. March 19th, 1973, 1156 a.m. If the church hadn't burned down, I could show you the place where I sat when I found my burning bush. I, and I didn't burn the church down, don't, don't. But that was my burning bush experience through a taco. John, come to church, and when we get done, we'll have tacos. And that old preacher, he, and he's still alive, Ron Workman was a great big tall guy. He had fingers that long, and he would point. He'd talk about God being, being just and faithful, and that eternity was long, and hell was hot. And he points to me, and, and I thought, I kept on trying to dodge him because he kept on pointing out in the back. And, and he said, you know, if, if you don't receive Christ today, you will spend an eternity in hell. And that scared me. I was scared out of hell by a taco. God uses amazing, amazing things. Burning bushes, taco dinners, he's, he's tremendous that way. And then... And then how does God reveal himself? Moses asked for a name. In a, in a sense, a name becomes the means of power influence. You know, God gives him a cryptic reply. Why do you ask me for a name when it's secret? God says, you know, I'm God. I'm the God of your forefathers. Okay, you want a name? Tell them I am sent you. I am is the shortest sentence imaginable, a simple subject and a verb of being. It, it makes us ask more. The Westminster uh, Confession, and I quote, says, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, etc. We want to have descriptors, which in the end become limiters. You want to describe something, and you describe it to the point that it ends up limiting what it is that, that we are, we're trying to define. Who is God? God is I am. Eternal. You don't need any more than that. I am yesterday. I am today. I am forever. I am the burning bush. I am, through Jesus Christ, the power that sustains and saves. The power that gives us life eternal. The power that we have in in Him as we gain eternity, as, and we can gain eternity in heaven because of that, John. Big deal. Heaven, hell. Who cares? Well, you should care, because we're talking about eternity. You say, "I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in this eternity business." Oh, what's all this Moses and burning bushes? You really believe that stuff? Yes, I do, because I saw the other side and I lived the other side, haven't we, Bart? We live the other side of that. And we come full face to that very presence of God in a burning bush or whatever, a taco or, or recovery, whatever that looks like, and we can say, I don't need a limiter. Well, you know, John, what if you're wrong? Well, you know, I go into a hole and nothing happens. I, you know, I don't know what happened in 1948 because I wasn't alive. And I don't know if I die tomorrow and nothing happens. I won't know what happens and I'll have no memory or or, or consciousness in, in 2019. Hey folks, what if I'm wrong? What if you're wrong? Do you want to chance the fact that there is a hell and there is a heaven? Let me go on. God, in his own way and time, is going to deliver, deliver all, of our, all of his children. And this means he's already revealed to us. He is already revealed to us in Jesus Christ. This we know not because some pundit figured this out, but rather by the revelation of Scripture. And that was done through the prophets and through the apostles, and now through the foretellers, the preachers, the teachers of the Word of God. Some people criticize and have criticized, John, why don't you bring a Bible? Why don't you bring a Bible? And what is the Bible? The Bible is God's Word. Words. I'm reading God's words. God doesn't care what His Word is between covers. <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine Jesus would have an iPad, an iPod, James 2.19 says, you believe that God, but but it's not enough to know these basic facts about God. Even Satan's crew recognizes who God is, and it says, and he trembles. James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Shudder means to bristle and tremble, and it was commonly used of trembling associated with great fear. Trembling. And demons at least have the sense to shudder at God's truth in a state of fear, for they know that eternal torment waits them in hell. You know, it's a serious matter to understand what God has revealed to us through the means of, of Scripture, which testify to Jesus. See, that's the message that we're trying to accomplish and we're trying to bring forth in the Fall of Palooza. And then we bring the message, we need to follow up on that. It, is, it, isn't, it isn't one and done, friends. It is, it is the contacts that we make we need to follow up. Well, P.J, that's your job. No. It's your job. My job is to tell you your job and then walk beside you and help you in your job. But it's your job. Follow up. Don't just Pete Smith, whoever he is, comes. And says, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in this, uh, but I, I want to listen to the music. Can we talk later? Yeah, give me, your, give, me your, give me your phone number and your address. And you put it in your pocket and forget about it. Where's the follow-up? I'm going to say, hey, did you, talk to, did you talk to Pete Smith? No, uh, I can't find the paper. I wrote it and I put it in my pocket. and I've washed clothes since then. It's gone. Let me find Pete Smith. We'll, we'll get you Pete Smith. But you need to follow up on him. But the knowledge of God requires a sense of encounter. And it's one thing to know about God, even rightly about Him. It's another to know Him personally. And that's what we want to do. How do we get the people to know Jesus personally? And then be able to explain that maybe in another setting. You know, Craig talked about Life Group today. I, I agree with Craig and I agree with, with uh, Ben that this is a great place for relationship building. It's a great place to, to a, be able to have uh, uh, an encounter with God without the trappings of church. Church can be scary. You know, church is that place where the guy stands up there and screams, stomps his foot, shakes his fist and, and makes you feel guilty and you're chair beside me is going to catch on fire or something I don't know but it's uncomfortable I don't want to go the church, is going to, the church is going to break out in flames if I step in the front door Yeah, I don't want to go but in the Maddox house or in the world house or in anybody's house it's come in you're a stranger once than your family Follow up. Get him to come in. Moses is educated in the ways of Egypt. And he's been reduced to stuttering. How many of you know Mel Tillis? Mel Tillis? Country singer. You talk to him and, and they would have to finish his sentences because there wasn't enough time to to Hab to But boy, when he sang, boy, he could sing. You know uh, Juanita, uh, Roberts, uh, Juanita Robertson, Robertson. Robertson, no, yeah, Robertson. Uh, she sang one time with Mel Tillis, and and uh, she said the same thing. When he sang, it was perfect. He didn't stutter. So, Moses is a stutter, and it, it wouldn't be the wisdom of Moses that will win deliverance, but rather the demonstration of God's power. See, Moses says, Okay, or God says, Okay, I'm tired of listening to you whine, I'm tired of your excuses, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna give you Aaron. Aaron's gonna be your mouthpiece, you be the spiritual giant, okay? And so, if you look through Scripture, bear me out, Matt, if you look at Scripture, God, or uh, Moses, never, ever, ever used Aaron to speak for him. Never. And so, it wouldn't be his expertise that would find water and food for the children in the wilderness. It would not be his knowledge of the topography of the wilderness that would lead the children of Israel to the promised land, but a pillar of fire and a cloud. God. So he followed up on those Jewish kids. And not only did he talk to him, he led him out of the out of Egypt. Amen. If any man was able to guide Israel's it, it, it would have been it would have been Moses and if anyone's knowledge of the affairs of Pharaoh's court could deliver Israel it would have been Moses and Moses was apparently physically strong as well. He he tried to do it in his own strength and God didn't work deliverance through any special ability of his. <laughs> I sure don't have any special ability. I mean when when you are reduced to just being the mouth, and I look out at my brothers and sisters here and I see all of this incredible talent, even in the kids. You know, beating that conga drum. Well, I, can, I can make noise on that thing. I, I, could, I could, but you know, you'd be, you'd be so far out of time, you'd be singing, I don't know what you'd be singing. It, it wouldn't be good. So, and we have we have musical we have musical talent. We have we have talent of of people who have abilities to build and to design, and to meet with people, and teach people, instruct people. Yesterday, I was watching the guys. We had four guys uh, working with the ladies. Every one of these guys, they were great my poor little sister Joy never shot a gun in her life freezing her everything off and Ernie was so patient with her and she did well then she got another blanket or another coat and sat in a chair and shook till we were done And, and yet there was Gary standing there in his bib overalls with his one bullet in his pocket helping load. He brought it to church with him, show and tell. And so there was my Barney Fife, ready to assist because he was following up on his sisters. Because the great I Am showed him who he is. At Jeff that can pack a truck like nobody's business and nothing blew up, nothing blew out. The tire went flat, but that's okay. We had, we had all these incredible people, all these incredible ladies, fellowshipping and enjoying one another. And yet God didn't use any special abilities. God encounters many people to, count, to call them into ministry. And he calls the wise as well as the unwise. And in his way, he, in time, he equips them to shepherd his flock. That's what you men were doing yesterday. You were shepherding. Ladies, you were shepherding. The stuttering and stammering of those who have been humbled by God is often more effective than those who rely. Uh, is more effective when they rely on the power of God. God hears the cries of His people. He was broken. He who is broken feels our brokenness. He who has never sinned tasted the, tasted the bitterness of our sin when He let, went to that cross and died for our sin. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's absolute foolishness to those who are wise in this world. And this is to be our message. God wants us to deliver his people, but by his way and not ours. It's God's way. It's the only way you can come to him. You you may not be looking for God today, but God's looking for you. He's trying to get your attention that you have for, for a moment uh, will be distracted from the affairs of this life and come to his son Jesus. He's talking to you. I don't have time, John. Man, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I got, I got this broken and that bent and I got, I got, a, I got a splinter in my finger. I got something growing on my arm. I don't know what it is. In fact, the Medicare wouldn't even Medicare wouldn't even do anything with me. They sent me to a dermatologist. Oh, Uh, that's yucky. So our foul palooza is a large part of your I am. Your I am. I've been walking away from God for so long, John, God isn't going to use me. That's not true. That's the devil telling you something that isn't isn't right. You have an I am if you're saved. Man, what's my I am? I don't have a clue other than you are a son of God. What's my I am? I don't know. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to make him your Savior so you can be a child of God. What's my I am? To serve, to worship, to give glory to him in a hillbilly band that's coming. What's my I am? Well, Moses said, it's God. So our task, our task, friends, is to follow up on people God has sent us our responsibility is reach these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that's our responsibility and our message is come to Jesus on the terms of the Father that he has revealed and when you do that you're going to be a new creation life will be different we don't do it by browbeating them we share and we leave the, we, And if they don't respond, we leave the door open where we can talk again. We follow up and follow up. You have that paper that was handed out. If you weren't here for uh, the Sunday morning uh, uh, presentation, uh, you should have been because it has some good stuff in it. You young people, young people, listen to me here. Look up at me. I want to see eyeballs. You young people, ladies... You have an opportunity in your, ch- in your school to invite these kids. Say, hey, M- Millicent, come to the Fallapalooza. Well, how in the world is the Fallapalooza? Explain to them what it is. And if you don't know what it is, ask your parents. They'll explain it to you. Or come to me. I'll explain it to you. And they can't come to this thing without mom and dad bringing them. See, so you can be an integral part in bringing people to this activity, to this event, to Jesus. People get saved because you have invited these kids, your friends, acquaintances to church, and you are going to have that credit given to you in eternity. I am that I am. Matt.